Good evening, RFL fans, and welcome to episode 17 of the 307 Film Room with your host, Mitchell O'Brien. And we're going to be having a special guest on for these next couple episodes in Coach Stephen Forbes of Mexico City Diablos. And uh, tonight's episode is going to be the first introductory episode to our positional breakdowns. Tonight we're going to be doing offensive line and answering some questions from the community about what our thoughts are on the RFL College Series prospects rankings. So hello, Forbes. What's up, everybody? Okay, so first first we're just going to start with the questions that were asked, and then afterwards we're going to break down uh, the top 10 list of offensive tackles and then top 10 list of interior offensive linemen. So our first question uh, that was asked came from uh, quarterback Jacob McCall from uh, Alabama. He asked, which prospect has the most to prove? Uh, Forbes, I'm going to let you answer this one first, and then I'll go second. Uh, I feel like a lot of prospects have something to prove, especially when you go from college to the pros. But someone I'm really looking at would probably have to be someone like Leo Moon. You know, coming out of college, throwing as many interceptions as he did, but still projected to be anywhere from a second to third round talent. He's going to have to fix that if he really wants to lead a team. Uh, and my player that I think that has most to prove was a highly touted corner from UCLA being Don Dang. Uh, he had a great collegiate uh, season in the RFL College Series, but uh, weighing only 162 pounds, that might be detrimental to his development into the RFL as uh, he's uh, very small in comparison to uh, many other corners and uh, many other wide receivers that he'll be facing uh, throughout his uh, time in the pros. Uh, our next question came from uh, Leo Moon, quarterback out of West Virginia. He says, which, which group are you most excited to look at? Also, is offense and or defense looking stronger for this draft? Well, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but, you know, I always like looking at the O-line and D-line because, you know, that's what I like to build for my team personally is the trenches. And it's very obvious in this draft that defense is definitely stronger than the offense. I would definitely agree with you on that, that the defense is looking uh, much stronger if it's throughout the linebacking core, safety rooms, corners, defensive tackles. Edge group is a little weak, but even with it being a little weak, there are some bright spots with uh, players. So... Yeah, defense is definitely weighted a little bit more heavy. This draft also, when you're looking at the spectrum of the RFL and realizing that quarterback is not a very high-needed high position, running back isn't that highly touted of a position. So that alone takes away two positional groups from uh, the offensive side of the ball that have High, uh, high meaning to the RFL. Wide receivers, always a thing. Tight ends. No tight end really stood out, so that kills their stock in a sense. And then O-line, probably one of the most important positions in the RFL, but no one gives it love. So it's definitely the defense. Yeah, definitely have to go uh, with that. 
Uh, going to our next position, uh, next question, which came from was this next question from uh, Alex Waterman? No, Max Waterman. You're him? talking about uh, what position do you feel is the deep in this class? More specifically, which position right. will see the highest number of successful players in the RFL? That's uh, that's from Coach Dunn. Oh, okay. So, oh yeah, I now I see Max's question down below. Okay, so yeah, uh, the next question came from Coach Dunn. Uh, Deepest position in this draft? I'd have to say linebacker. Uh, I'd say linebacker. Yeah, I'd, linebacker or or wide receiver, probably. Maybe, but yeah, I feel like linebacker. As long as they go to the right situations, the first five to ten of them could be day one starters. That definitely could agree with that. With there being a lot of good linebackers in this draft, obviously starting at the top with like the Logan Russells, the Jacob Reeds, the Dan Glissicks, and then just working your way down the thing and having, like, your Candy Foresters, uh, your Charles Turners. Like, honestly, like you said, the first, like, ten linebackers I could see being, like, day one starters at one of the three linebacker positions on a roster. Especially so, if your team is a 4-3 personnel. Yeah, there's not many uh, pass rushing outside linebackers and if they were they didn't uh excel in colleges most of them were in uh, three four schemes having like average i probably have to so, go with the same answer for the uh which position we'll see the highest number of successful players it'll probably end up being linebacker with just how yeah. many of them there are yeah with how many linebackers there are in the draft that are looking good being day one starters and then linebacker is a position that thrives well throughout the RFL and also get the most tackles. Like, linebackers get the most smoke on the defense most of the time, so they're most likely the position that will grow. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Our next question is from Max Waterman. He said, what position, offense and defense, is the biggest role for an RFL team, for any or all RFL teams? So, by this question, do you you think he's talking about, like, the position group? Or, because really, I, the biggest role for any team is going to be the quarterback. Uh, so I was going to say, offense would have to be the quarterback, so... If he's going by that perspective, but just, it would probably this would probably be quarterback and corner. If he was going for that approach, or like I think corners are probably on the defense the most prominent position. Yes, I know edge rushers yeah. are also highly touted, but in this RFL draft, the edge rushers yeah. would aren't the strongest group. So I would have to lean towards. The because if we're going with the biggest role, while I think linebacker is the deepest class, I definitely think defensive tackle is the strongest. Oh, yeah. Well, the first four defensive tackles are absolute menaces, and then even the depth behind them is pretty pretty strong. And then on offense, mm, I don't like, – like, like we said earlier, I don't see many – quarterbacks going very high this draft with only a couple of teams really needing one. Um, running back is always deep because you can take a seventh rounder and he can end up being the best running back on your team without you knowing. Uh, so I guess the biggest role 
might be wide receiver. Yeah, I would say it has to be wide receiver unless this uh, O-line class uh, continues to round out like it looks to be. Because, like I said, O-line is probably one of the hardest positions in the entire league to develop. So starting off with a high floor is very crucial in that respect. So biggest role probably is going to be wide receiver because of just how many impact players that you can probably get with even like your number like eight or nine wide receiver. They could be a slot weapon, a rotational piece. But the O-line, if you can find a good offensive lineman, he's probably going to be there for the entire length of his career because you don't want good alignment walking out the door. You can always rotate wide receivers. Yeah. So these next few questions are all about this position class today, and they're all from uh, Jacob Reed. So you want to do these questions first, or do you want to go over the list? Uh, Let's go over the list, and then we'll come back to – Jacob's question since he since he gracefully gave us six questions <laughs> all about offensive line or sent a centric around the offensive line. All right, so let's start with uh, the so interior offensive lineman. Starting with the interior. In the scope, uh, you want to start with 10? Yeah, well, let's start with 10 and work our way up to one, and we'll, we'll, we'll do that type of strategy. So. Coming in at number 10 for our interior offensive lineman, we had uh, center Parker Gibson out of Texas. Parker Gibson stands at 6'7", 330 pounds. He was obviously the starting center for the Texas Longhorns this past season. Uh, Gibson gave up seven sacks throughout the season. Uh, Forbes, you're you're, uh, side. Uh, Yeah, man. So... I mean, he's just an outstanding run blocker, like we have down in our notes here. You know, um, wasn't the best in pass pro, but that's something that can always be developed by a coach. And, you know, playing for Texas in his conference, you know, it wasn't easy of uh, who we had to play against for a d- defensive tackle, like we said. Defensive tackle might be the strongest group of players in this draft. Exactly, and playing against some of these defensive tackles and three, four defensive ends is uh, no easy task, especially with how the college series played out. That showed D-tackles were the most dominant position on the defense, generating pressure while the edges struggled. So moving to number nine on our list, we have center uh, Pat McNeil out of Clemson. He stands at 6'3", 299 pounds. Uh, Similar case for Parker Gibson, Pat McNeil, electric run blocker. Struggled in pass protection at times. Did play against Jermaine Taylor, I think, twice. So, uh, going to uh, Stevens' point that defensive tackles wreak havoc, uh, that's not very fun to play against the best defensive t- – or one of the best defensive tackles in the nation twice. Yeah, especially when that defensive tackle gets 30 sacks on the season. Yeah. So your three sacks allowed is only one-tenth of his season's production. Uh, Coming in at number eight, we had right guard Frank Champion out of Miami. Frank Champion stands at 6'3", 330 pounds. 
And just, you know, another guy who looked a lot better in pass pro, having to go against the second D tackle on most death charts. You know, um, again, another great run blocker, but, you know, would still struggle in pass pro just because of the talent difference between the defensive tackles and the interior offensive linemen. Yeah, Frank Champion definitely uh, showed force coming off of off the line, generating push in the run game, uh, opening up holes for running back Amir Williams, and then he held he held up pretty good in uh, pass rush, but did struggle sometimes against power moves uh, and getting blown by sometimes and uh, making DJ White have to run. Coming in at number seven, we have. Pete Copeland, uh, right guard out of Georgia, stands at 6'2", 303 pounds. Uh, Copeland was a key factor in uh, Georgia's uh, success this year on their 15-0 run. Yeah, man, and this is where we finally start to see some more pass-pro-heavy interior offensive linemen. You know, not as bad as the first three. Still has a little bit of work, but with um, Perkins getting – did he get over 2,000 yards? Did he get close to it? I, I think he went 1,900. 1,900. So. I mean, that just shows being a part of that offensive line, helping a running back win the rushing title by more than 400 yards. I mean, got to be good at something, right? Exactly. Uh, coming in number six, we had Marshall Brown. Uh, left guard out of Wisconsin, standing at 6'4", 321 pounds. Uh, Marshall Brown was a very agile offensive lineman as Wisconsin used uh, a zone scheme with a lot of pulling around, and Marshall Brown was part was a key part in that offense as a lead blocker for Joe Duncan. I see, Marshall Brown might be my sleeper offensive lineman. Just because, like, I get Wisconsin's a big school and whatnot, but when you only have 32 teams in the RFO College Series, Wisconsin doesn't get a lot of showtime. You know what I mean? So I feel like not a lot of people yeah. got a chance to watch what this guy can do. And then Wisconsin's also has been known in the past to be part of the O-line factory, kind of like a Notre Dame, which we'll speak on later when we talk tackles. Uh, coming in at number five, we have Mike Smith. Uh, at a USC standing at 6'2", uh, 310 pounds. Uh, Mike Smith, great all-around offensive lineman. With having a running back like Jakari Torres uh, behind him, uh, the Trojans used a lot of zone and power power schemes intermixing to uh, uh, help spring Torres in the run game. Yeah, Mike Smith is just one of those players that are pro-ready you know, and he's a little more agile and quicker than the others. So I think he'll be a great fit to whoever takes him. Uh, coming in at number four, we have Zach Emerson, uh, left guard out of West Virginia, standing at 6'3", 324 pounds. Uh, Zach Emerson was uh, was a rock in uh, the Mountaineers uh, passing and run game as uh, – Zach Emerson showed great great ability to reach the second level to uh, clear clear holes for Kennedy McCoy uh, of the Mountaineers. Yeah, I don't think you'll find another 
interior offensive lineman in this class was as technically sound as Zach Emerson. You know, you, you didn't see very many penalties from him. Very disciplined kind of guy. And, you know, he's always the first off the line. He's got a quick step and a great punch. Uh, coming in at number three is Terrell Lewis, uh, left guard out of Georgia, 6'2", uh, 316 pounds. Uh, Tremaine Lewis was the only interior offensive lineman in the nation to not allow a sack the entire throughout the entire season. Even, even more impressively, Terrell Lewis played 15 games as the Georgia Bulldogs went the entire way in winning the Natty. So that means that Lewis pitched 15 perfect games, keeping his quarterback, Kai Cash, standing upright, at least from his position at left guard. And then, uh, as Forbes alluded earlier, while talking about Copeland, being part of the Georgia O-line to spring uh, Cameron Perkins for over 1,900 yards is a massive accomplishment for an offensive lineman. Oh, yes, sir. And the, I feel like the only reason he's so low on this list is because the two above him are just talents that are hard to find and hard to come by when you're looking for an offensive lineman in the RFL. Uh, coming in number two, we have uh, left guard Jacob Sprinsky out of uh, UCLA, standing at 6'5", 315 pounds. Jacob Sprinsky was a was an absolute – Absolute rock for the UCLA offense. He he led uh, he he led all his offensive linemen, only allowing one sack, uh, generating great great push in the run game, being able to find holes, and just uh, being able to lead block even when Jace Worth uh, takes off for a run. You can always find Jacob Sprinsky running down the field looking for uh, action. Yeah, man, Sprinsky. Uh... I believe the only sack he allowed all season came against Baylor, who was touted to have a top three defense in the series. So for his only sack to come against that game, which was fairly early in the season, I believe it was week two, and then not let up for the rest of the season. I mean, you can't ask for much better than that. Yeah, great great all-around performance for Jacob Sprinsky. And as most of the listeners know by now, listening to the top ten list, coming in at number one, we have Connor Hawk, left guard for the Miami Hurricanes, standing at 6'8", 340 pounds. Connor Hawk was an absolute mauler, a road grader, carving holes for Amir Williams. As if anyone, if you need to need a running hole, just ask Connor Hawk and he will go uh, blow a hole through the defense. There was, there was video leaked of Connor Hawk pancaking Jermaine Taylor in their in man, their you game. know that was at the double was, team, was man. You know it went a one on one. I know, Come on, man. Team, Can't do my boy Jermaine Taylor like that. It was an absolute assassination. He just came and just <laughs> shot his hands right into Jermaine Taylor's ribs, sent the man flying. Uh, Connor Hawk is by far probably the best uh, pro ready interior. I don't offensive know, man. Lineman. Hawk might be the number one uh, offensive lineman in this class. He, he, he could be the number one offensive lineman in the class just around. Well, he has tackle size standing at 6'8", six, six, 340. I mean, so this man can play in the I don't see, I don't see Hawk getting out of the top ten. Uh, for sure. I could see, I could easily see a Connor Hawk going in the top five just because his versatility of playing any position. Yeah, I don't know if 6'8 really meets center standards, though. 
Yeah, it's a bit of a tall, a little bit of a tall center, but I mean, but he he can do everything, man. Yeah, put him at fullback, any anywhere you need him. You can put him at defensive tackle. Teach him how teach him how to pass rush. Yeah, so that is your uh, top ten into your offensive lineman, just in case you people can't remember. Uh, I'll it be went right from, back. Uh, number ten being Parker Gibson. All right. Uh, we had number ten Parker Gibson at Texas. Number nine Pat O'Neill uh, out of Clemson center. Frank Champion at eight out of uh, Miami. Number seven was Pete Copeland, uh, right guard out of Georgia. Number six was left guard Marshall Brown out of Wisconsin. We had number five being Mike Smith out of uh, USC. Number four being Zach Emerson out of West Virginia. Terrell Lewis coming left guard out of Georgia. Jacob Frinsky as left guard out of UCLA. And left guard Connor Hawk out of Miami. Uh, all great offensive linemen. Uh, I could easily see the first three going in the first first round. Uh, next four, four or five could easily be uh, second, third round talents. And then even uh, the Pat McNeils and uh, Parker Gibsons of the world, I can see them being second round, second round, third round talents too. Uh, all around great offensive lineman. Uh, can't wait to break down the tackles. Uh, very, there's some very good tackles in in this class. Uh, yeah, so. Connor Hawk and uh, definitely Connor Hawk, Sprinsky and Lewis. I can all be seeing first round picks. Connor Hawk will, I will almost say, almost a top 10 pick for sure. Jacob Sprinsky, I can see going between 14 and 22. And then a Terrell Lewis can be uh, between like 22 Dang, and 32. I'm gone for a minute and a half. You already have and... number two on the tackle list. No, I'm talking about Jacob Frinsky and like filling space of like of uh, who I think can be first round talents in this interior offensive line class. Moving now, let's now let's well, head so to you the have tackle class. As Terrell Lewis and up as your first round talents. Yeah, I would say Terrell Lewis would be a late first round talent. Uh, Sprinsky would be a mid first round talent. And Connor Hawk would uh, would be an early first round talent being top right, ten pick. I can see Zach. Em- I can see a Zach Emerson sneaking into the end of the first first round, but definitely looks looks to be more of a second round talent. Uh, I mean, I feel like any everyone in our top ten will probably go no later than the third round. Yeah, for sure. Like I can, I can see Emerson, Smith, Brown. They can all be second round picks. Copeland will probably be a third round pick. I I can see a Frank Champion and uh Pat McNeil being like mid to late second round picks. A Parker Gibson probably falls to the third just with his uh uh lack, lack of activity. Wait, so you so Parker Gibson's a submitted player? Yes, uh Parker Gibson submitted, Pat McNeil submitted, Frank Frank Champion submitted, 
Connor Hawkins. Shows how inactive he is. I, I didn't know that man was submitted. Yes. All right. So you ready to go to? Yeah, so I've never seen Paris Johnson right. active before. So. so we're going to number ten on the tackle list now. Correct. So coming in at number ten on our offensive tackle list is left tackle Jordan Smith out of Florida, standing at six eight. 330 pounds. Uh, Jordan Smith was a very uh, unknown uh, left tackle for for the Florida Gators as he just quietly put in work uh, protecting uh, Trevor Campbell's blind side. Now, Florida, Florida had a very weak offensive line group this past season, but I think Jordan Smith really stood out among his peers at the position. Now, I definitely stood out in the tackle group as his uh, tackle companion, uh, uh, Castle. Can't, uh, I think Jordan, not Jordan Castle, Caleb Castle, I think, right tackle. He gave up like 11 sacks on the season. So he definitely stood out in his, ta- in his uh, tackle room for an offensive lineman. Coming in at number nine, we have Mac Page, uh, right tackle out of Oklahoma. Standing at 6'5", 317 pounds. Uh, Mac Page was excellent in uh, outside zone blocking uh, as that was a uh, main provenance of the Oklahoma offense as it was very pro-ready pro with RPOs and screens. So Mac Page is a very mobile offensive lineman, uh, not afraid to make contact. Yeah, I think Mac Page level. could be a, a real easy... Maybe not, maybe not a day one starter, but you know, see where he progresses throughout his first season, and could easily make his way into a uh, into a uh, run first playbook, whether it be QB options, downhill running, anything like that. I could uh, my projection for Mac Page would be moving into guard. He has ideal size for the position, along with his uh, great athleticism to be able to uh, pull and get out in front of linemen. Uh, struggled against the speed rush often at tackle, so that's something that you're not going to be facing very often in a guard is speed, as guard is a more of a power-oriented position. Uh, coming in at number eight on our list, we have left tackle Doug Gaffert out of Oregon. Uh, standing at six foot five, 319 pounds, uh, Doug Gafford was responsible for guarding the blind side of Owen Jack, uh, quarterback of the year in the college series, also offensive player of the year. Owen Jack had, him, had himself a great season, but we'll talk about him when we get to quarterbacks in a couple weeks. But we're talking about Doug Gafford, and Doug Gafford was a great tackle for the Oregon Ducks, uh, being, being a ceiling edge in their run game and uh, keeping Owen Jack upright. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he really showed out at Oregon, especially with their uh, pass-heavy offense that they ran there, which led to, you know, Jack winning his awards. So, I mean, is another probably early starter in the RFL. All these tackles are real good. Uh, coming in at number seven, we have Dominic Thurman. Uh, left tackle out of Penn State, standing at 6'5", 321 pounds. Thurman was a steady-footed left tackle for the Nittany Lions. 
held up great in the past game as the Nenhi Lions uh, leaned on Ramo, uh, James Ramos's arm quite often in um, many games. So he's a great pa- he's a great pass protecting left tackle. Yeah, I feel like this is another player who has some guard flexibility for him. You know, he he is one of the quicker uh, tackles that you're going to see in this class, which will you know help him against some of these slower, bigger defensive tackles. Ah, uh, for sure. Coming in number six on the list, we have Leshawn Tate, uh, left tackle out of Alabama, standing at six foot six, three hundred and twenty nine pounds. Uh, Leshawn Tate uh, overall was was a uh, great pass protector. Uh, wasn't Jacob McCall's blindside protector as McCall is a left-handed quarterback, so that would come to the right, down to the right tackle, who did not make this list. So if that if that if anything if that says something, uh, Leishon Tate was a great overall tackle, uh, trying to uh, do his best to block for Najee Harris, who just couldn't find a hole if he. Uh, if it was to save his life. So with that being said, Alabama was once again, another pass heavy team. So Leishon Tate held up great. in the Yeah. Leishon Tate's a guy who's probably going to end up switching sides, considering that there's probably not that many left-handed quarterbacks in the RFL and he's a great blindside protector. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, a coach uh, switches him to the other side for a right-handed quarterback. I definitely could see that. Coming in at number five, we have Trevor Picard, uh, right tackle out of Georgia, standing at six foot seven, three hundred and thirty-one pounds. Uh, as we spoke on with interior offensive lineman, Georgia had a had a great running game, and that in part also came with their tackle with their tackle duo, Andrew Thomas, Trevor Picard. When you're running outside zone, you need to have a good tackle that can lead the way. And Trevor Picard was that guy. When Perkins ran to ran to his side, Picard was the first first man in action making contact at the second level, securing the edge to make sure Perkins could get Yeah, uh, man, get Picard's up a very field. explosive tackle. He's always great at sealing the edge. Like you said, getting to the next level and sealing those blocks off to the outside where you know uh Perkins was excellent at hitting home you know, home run hitters. And, you know, that's not possible if your O line isn't as good as George's was. Uh, coming in number four, we have Jason Springs, left tackle out of Baylor. Once again, standing at six foot seven, three hundred and thirty-six pounds. Uh, the ba- the Baylor left tackle uh, stood up excellent against uh, a fierce uh, Big Twelve pass rush, and some- with some teams like Texas facing off against a Javon Cruz. We'll talk about it in the edge group in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Baylor played uh, played some hard nosed football. Couldn't get it done at the end of end of the day, but uh, Jason Spring was a big reason for why T- Tyler Mall was able to uh, have so yeah, many. Yeah, man, Jason yards. Springs definitely held it down for Baylor, whether it be in the run game for Carter Carter or in the pass game, which held Winkleman. You know, let uh, Tyler Mole you know give time to get the ball to Winkleman, who ended up being the receiver of the year. So, I think Jason Springs was just a bright spot and a star started offensive line group. Uh, coming in at number three, we had left tackle Kevin Hatcher. 
for the LSU Tigers, standing at six foot four, three hundred and uh, twenty nine pounds. Out of all these offensive tackles, I think Kevin Hatcher, hands down, is our best pass protecting offensive lineman. As LSU's offense was very pass heavy with uh, the failure of a run game and Xavier Gold just not having that explosive burst to break through the line. So leaning on John Bales to uh, sling the rock down the field to find his uh, trio of wide receivers being led by Chris Braun. Uh, Kevin Hatcher is an excellent uh, pass-protecting offensive lineman. Franchise left tackle for most teams. Yeah, just because LSU is self-struggled in the run game, I don't think that has anything to do with Hatcher himself because he really showed that he can set the edge when need be. But when Xander Gold is built like a fullback and they're trying to run out when they're an outside zone team, it's just not going to work out. Yeah, not, nothing against Kevin Hatcher's uh, run blocking ability. It's just he didn't have a lot of tape to showcase it in uh, LSU's outside zone uh, system. Coming in at number two, we have Emmett Stockson, right tackle for the Iowa Hawkeyes, standing at six foot four. 337 pounds. Emmett Stockson was an excellent blind side protector as uh, Kirk Peterson was a left-hand quarterback. So Emmett Stockson had the greatest weight on his shoulders to be the blind side protector for Kirk Peterson, along with sealing the edge for an explosive running back in Cleon Markman, who burst off many runs coming off of the right side off off the back foot. I definitely think Emmett Stockson is one of the more underrated tackles, even though we have him at number two, just because a lot of people didn't watch Iowa games. They haven't seen Iowa film because that's not where most of the star studded players are in the draft. So I feel like he'll definitely go under the radar. Uh, For sure. And as I alluded to earlier, when speaking on Wisconsin being an online factory, Another all-line factory in, in college football is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and they they get to possess the number one tackle, being Dustin Brooks, right tackle for the Fighting Irish, standing at six foot five, three hundred nineteen pounds. Dustin Brooks was the only offensive tackle in the nation to not allow a single sack, and Dustin Brooks playing right tackle for the Fighting Irish being guarding Alan, Alex Jackson's blind side. Once again, one of the only few left-handed quarterbacks. It's very interesting to see our two top our two top tackles being right tackles and having uh, their quarterbacks being a lefty and having the responsibility to guard their quarterback's blind side to keep them upright and uh, safe. And Kyle Finnamore, great outside zone running. Running, uh, following. Yeah, I think uh, Dustin Brooks has definitely solidified himself as the number one tackle in the class. Uh, I think Connor Hawk still has, you know, the number one offensive lineman in the hole. But uh, if you, Dustin Brooks is the definition of a franchise tackle. Yeah, Dustin Brooks can't run blocks, pass blocks. He's he like if you're looking for a franchise tackle, Dustin Brooks is probably your guy, and Kevin Hatcher's is very, the very close second. It pass protecting wise, run blocking, Dustin Brooks t- does it all. Like, uh, if you need if you need a game to watch Dustin Brooks be a mechanic, 
Just go watch that Miami game. He faced off against uh, uh, TJ Metcalf the entire game. Didn't allow a single sack all season. Playing against uh, one of one of the nation's best edge rushers, and uh, being the ACC mm-hmm. with uh, Zach DeFranz as well being a, man, a player he would face off against. That's another great edge rusher in this class that we'll talk about in weeks to come. So not only that's just ACC, I can't remember every game that Notre Dame played, but uh, they had to have played some other great teams as every RFL team is all around good. Uh, Dustin Brooks kept Alex Jackson in the game and was able to uh, help them defeat the number two USC at the time in week 13. Oh, and just in case anyone else has missed it, so that Connor Hawk is taller than our top nine tackles. <laughs> yeah, there's only one offensive tackle that stands at the same height, and he's at number 10. So it's very King likely Jordan that you can Smith see Connor Hawk playing tackle in the RFL. Well, if you can't see Connor Hawk, you need to go get a new prescription. So the man's standing at six foot eight. I think Dustin Brooks is another guy who doesn't escape the top 10. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, no, Dustin Brooks is definitely uh, a lock for the top 15. Definitely, if a team is highly in need of a tackle, I could see a trade-up for Dustin Brooks, to be honest, just because he is that much of a technician. Of like, We've seen teams take uh, offensive tackle first overall twice in the RFL draft, being uh, uh, Dexter Smith and Aiden Mahill. So it's not unlikely that an offensive tackle can go first overall. We've seen offensive tackle go twice. Interesting fact for all these listeners, maybe this should be a Pat, a Pat McNeil fact for uh, the podcast. A quarterback has never won first overall in the RFL draft. It was uh, Isaiah Ingram, defensive end, uh, Ethan Long, corner, uh, Dexter Smith, tackle, uh, Aiden Mahill, tackle, and then Drew Brewer, defensive end. A quarterback has never won first overall. This could be the year. Yeah, we'll get into that in the later podcast. Quarterback goes first overall. Yeah, oh, definitely. Right. Have to get, dive deep in, Dive more deep into that. Just a quick review for people who have uh, been rambling on and might have forgot the list. Ten was Jordan Smith, tackle out of Florida. Mac Page, number nine out of Oklahoma. Doug Gafford out of Oregon, at number eight. Dominic Thurman out of Penn State, at number seven. Number six, Leishon Tate of Alabama. Number five, Trevor Picard out of Georgia. Uh, number four, Jason Springs out of Baylor. Number three, Kevin Hatcher out of LSU. Number two, Emmett Stockson out of Iowa. And the man we've been talking about for the last five minutes, Dustin Brooks out of Notre Dame. Uh, you'll be able to find these write-ups uh, on the website in the next, next couple days, as I think Forrest will be publishing them. Uh, very soon, so you'll be able to read our in our in depth analysis of a quick little little summary paragraph on each offensive lineman that we spoke on tonight. But before Listen, we head Jack out of here, we got we got to answer six questions. Asked, we got to ask the six questions that Jacob Reed gave us. Coming as the first question: Who is the most balanced player within the most these balanced groups? Connor Hawk. Uh, I think we 
most balanced would be Connor Hawk for the interior offensive linemen and all the alignment in general. And then if we're just going solely tackles, which Connor Hawk is pretty much is one, probably Dustin Brooks. Uh, Who has the raw athletic talent at the position? That might have to be Kevin Hatcher. Ooh, that yeah, that might be Hatcher with his uh, excellent. Uh, it's either Hatcher ability. or uh, or Marshall Brown, a Zach M- or yeah, Marshall Brown or Zach Emerson out of uh, West Virginia or uh, Wisconsin. They all they all have that uh, electric trait in their arsenal. Uh, coming in at number three, who do you day view as one? a day one starter from the position? So group? for tackles, I can see five and up. Uh, Picard, Springs, Hatcher, Stockson, and Brooks. Yeah. For interior offensive linemen, probably only four or three and up. Yeah, Emerson might be uh, might be a bit of a rocky one. It would, he'd have to go to a pretty bad offensive line to be a day one starter. Could he be starting by the end of season one? It's possible. All depends on his development, but definitely the top three I can see being day one stars for interior offensive linemen. And Trevor Picard will be an iffy one. Depends on the tackle room. But I can definitely see him possibly starting. Like there's some pretty terrible tackles in this in the RFL. Oof. Like the Shamrocks right tackle has like allowed yeah, like twelve sacks in it in yeah, halfway through the bad. season. Like he's absolutely horrendous. Like the Shamrocks, oh I feel bad <laughs> for the Shamrocks. Their tackle duo is terrible. The Riverhogs, oh, that is the most surprising thing in the world. They have like two eighty overall tackles and they're terrible. They've been terrible for years. I don't I just don't understand. Like I even think I comped one of them because like Mac Page just struggled against against the speed, and that's why I comped him. No, you comped him at uh, Rudolph the left tackle. The speed. I know I comped him as the left tackle because as the left tackle for the Riverhawks because Rudolph is one the better of the two tackles for the Riverhawks, but Rudolph does struggle against speed, but is good against the power in a double team. So that's why I, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even read the comments. Well, number four, so, do you view any player as having a specific to... team fit within the RFL? I would, uh, I would love to ooh, see Connor Hawk go this, to the Bulldogs in the very one. beginning uh, of the draft. Because I think that would make the Bulldogs have the best offensive line in, in the RFL. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. Uh, I like my pro con for Dustin Brooks was Dion Gunn, the left tackle with the Crusaders. And interesting fact Crusaders' right tackle is kind of buns. He's like a 74 overall, not, not, not the guy you're kind of looking for. So, with Dustin Brooks' pure ability, that's a day one starter for the Crusaders. And he's just, he's just another copy of of Dion Gunn, the left tackle for the Crusaders. Would I like <laughs> to see this? Definitely not, because I have to play the Crusaders twice. Don't need them to have good two good tackles, but uh, Dustin Brooks on the Crusaders. I also wouldn't mind seeing uh, Kevin Hatcher thing. fall to the Cougars. 
Kevin Hatcher on the Cougars would definitely be a definitely be All a right, great number stuff. five. How does this position stack up in terms of depth in comparison uh, to the other position groups? Um, that one's hard to say because most of these are auto-generated players, not submitted. I feel like submitted players are going to fly off the board unless you're just a yeah. stud at the position. Exactly. Like none of that. We had zero submitted offensive tackle. Well, again, you can always just say Connor Hawk is a tackle, but no one submitted a tackle. Every, we had five guards, no tackles. So the tackle room is purely raw and just and all how, depends on yeah. how they played and how they were built. Interior offensive linemen, we had two submitted guys thrive interior and then we had three guys struggle a bit more so all around depth wise uh i think this could be a tackle class that we look back on and say wow this was a great tackle class we have like five or six guys starting within the the next couple years being like franchise guys interior offensive linemen same thing and then Number six, where will these players be drafted in comparison to other positions? Is this position group of a big need across the league? Um, I definitely think it's prioritized yeah, or is it lower on the totem ball? The offensive line, definitely at the, the top. Offensive line is definitely at the top. Of I don't the know ball, how many of it's going to. You don't be have a good old line. Prioritized. Yeah, priority. I don't think teams are going to prioritize it, but. Uh, as one well, on the totem pole, it's probably the most important position out of all of them because offensive linemen, like I said earlier, hard to grow in the RFL. So if you can draft a draft an offensive lineman with a high floor, even if their ceiling's only a couple overalls higher, a high floor is still a high floor. So uh I can see probably five offensive yeah, linemen going in the first that, round. I feel like it falls five off. Five or six. Like I could definitely see the first three the first like the first three tackles I can see go in the first round. And then I can see like the first three offensive linemen. Like the top three in each in our, each of our top tens, those would probably be the six offensive linemen I can see going in the first round. And afterwards it's just going to be uh uh, whoever, whoever needs it and whatever team is uh, most technically sound and realizes what their positional needs are. Like, are you going to take a left tackle? That could be a 71 overall. Or are you going to take a running back? That could be a 68 overall. Because, like, as Forbes alluded to earlier about running backs, you can draft a seventh-round running back, and he might be the best running back on your team. You never know. It all just depends. An offensive lineman? You probably don't want to be starting uh, offensive lineman. You draft in the seventh round. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's the six questions asked by uh, Jacob Reed. Uh, to the Dunn. people who asked questions, Max, uh, Dunn, Leo, and McCall, uh, we all appreciate your questions. I uh, hope you guys uh, like the answers, appreciate the answers. Uh, learned from the answers uh this definitely i hope to be one of the more highly listened to podcasts of all of them that we put out because i feel like the offensive linemen are slept on 
and not that many people uh, uh, do we know, know that much uh, about them. Which time so. we're doing next week yet? Uh, let me. I feel. Let me just. Yes, go I feel like that. we said tight end. I think it's tight end. I think. Yeah, I think it's. We're gonna make y'all wait for the good ones. First list. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's tight ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got. Yeah, I gotta wait for like the quarterbacks, the corners, the safeties, the linebackers, the D line. So yeah, next week's next week's group's gonna be tight ends, and uh, we got. Was it was it running uh, backs? What do we have after tight ends? I'm trying to remember. It might have been running backs, or might or was it edge? It might have been edge because edge. All I know is that for facts, we have tight end next week. You, yeah, tight end, tight ends are coming on next week, and then we'll tell you, we'll we'll tell you whatever we uh, figure it out at uh, when we do our tight ends next week. What position we'll group we're coming from? Maybe running back, maybe edge. We'll and the plan to, is after we do have to see how every position group, which should be around week seventeen or the wild card weekend, we should the week after that should be our first full round mock draft. Yeah, By top once 18, the means top picks. 18 is secured, and then we uh, just uh, yeah, top top 18 draft picks have been locked in, barring any trades of a fix, and then we'll just uh, work the other 14 teams in from seven seeds are 19 and 20, and obviously one seeds are 31 and 32. You guys get the point. So yeah, hopefully around week 17, wildcard week. We'll have a first round mock draft for you guys coming out. Look very look forward to that and uh, see see where you guys fall within that. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun time these next couple of weeks breaking down these positions and yeah, but I think that's all drafts. I got for this. Yeah, that's all I got. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, episode seventeen on, of Mitchie. Inside. Not inside. The 307 Film Room. Yeah. I almost plugged my own podcast. Uh, if you guys want to go listen to that and you made it to minute 50, I just dropped that like half an hour ago. And go go check that out. Steven it. said he was going to think about starting a podcast. So if he does do that, if he does, go make sure you guys go check check into the, that Diablos podcast. Never too late to start one. But yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed uh, episode 17 of the 307 Film Room offensive lineman breakdown uh, part. And I hope everyone has a great rest of 